Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to the special episode of It's a Fandom Thing. Today, I'm honored to be virtually sitting down with filmmaker and debut thriller writer, Andrew Dean. His debut novel, Surfacing, follows the story of a splinter division that operates behind closed, behind locked doors. They're tucked away in the basement of Washington, D.C., far beyond the reaches of the CIA. From 9-11 to the ongoing pandemic, they've hunted and eliminated high-level targets, but their targets aren't of a foreign threat, their fellow Americans. In the book, when a new recruit is absorbed into the hidden fold of the government, she's immediately thrown into her first assignment under the guidance of a veteran operative. It quickly becomes clear she's witnessing the division turning a new page, further blurring its line of right and wrong. Having only one another to lean on, both will have their morality and skill set tested in the highest of stakes to make it out alive. Andrew Dean studied film and screenplays in Orlando. Um, Shortly after graduation, he went on to write and produce his first feature-length film, Fronteras, tackling the hot topic of the border crisis with Mexico. Drawing heavy inspiration from Tom Clancy, Andrew enjoys diving deep into military thriller and conspiracy themes. Currently, Andrew resides in Nashville, Tennessee, and stays busy turning his screenplays into novels. So, Andrew, I'm very honored to be sitting down with you today. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Sure, of course. Um, So surfacing opens with what appears to be a legal disclaimer. And it also includes quite a few redacted areas in the text, especially like you don't see any last names and then sometimes locations are redacted. And I mean, you even have in there like you won't be able to protect anyone if they get (laughs) seen with this and that. Um, (laughs) I know you're a filmmaker, so I don't know if that kind of inspired that, too, or what. Why did you choose to include this in your novel? Um, I mean, I've kind of. Yeah, being my my filmmaker background i i wanted to really set the tone of what you're getting into as soon as possible so even though it is a work of fiction i thought i might just try to spice up what is usually a boring copyright disclaimer and try to you know jazz it up about it being more secret and uh it more like something you're not supposed to be reading it's something that you've stumbled upon and um further redacting names and locations like you mentioned i think just helps continue to carry that tone from cover to cover 
Yeah. And especially when, you know, when it first starts out and it's just the last names that are redacted and Mm -hmm. then a few chapters in, then you redact a place and then it's just kind of like, so you're not sure what is going to be redacted either. So that kind of (laughs) keeps you on your toes to like, oh, well, then this was the more important thing. And this is the more dangerous thing maybe that I wasn't supposed to know, but this location is okay. So mm-hmm. that that was interesting too, because I've never read a novel that did that. So <laughs> I'd thought about it and I was curious um, if people were going to get it and thought that they got some sort of like mistake. You know what I mean? Like something <laughs> got blacked out during the printing process and I was like, ah, I'll just, I'll just got to go with it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, I mean, I think the setting it up in the beginning is what, sets the reader up for knowing that maybe that's what's to come that maybe yeah. you know yeah mm-hmm. so i think that that helps but yeah i thought that was that was really really an interesting way to do it thank you you're welcome um so the novel takes place in several different time periods and countries and locations so i'm i'm I, it's a work of fiction but still um you know there are real events that are discussed in the book and stuff so i'm assuming there was a lot of research that went into this then as well yeah, I mean, I the way I wrote it, it I like to when you know when things pick up speed, I like I like the idea of things almost happening in real time. So in terms of doing like time jumps, making sure that I'm on the right time zone for one is important. Uh, <laughs> and then um, like if I jump back in time, like I think I jumped back to 2007 at one point. I you know making sure like you know <laughs> when I'm referring to people in political office that it's the right person and whatnot so um that and i grew up pretty close to one of the countries mexico i I grew up in arizona so um yeah no it was a little difficult to juggle those things but um you know you you slip up one time with a detail like that and you know anything these days will pull somebody out of a story pretty quickly i think yeah and people tend to grab onto those things more than they do the positive thing (laughs) oh yeah a little tiny thing will stick out and kind of overshadow anything else yeah yeah yeah. or they'll be oh you made this mistake so you must not know what you're talking about or something (laughs) yeah yeah yes yeah well the novel opens from teddy's point of view and teddy ends up working with avery who avery she's the new recruit but um teddy is working with the division and he he comes off as very cold yeah. And seems to show no feelings about killing people. But as the, the novel progresses, well, I won't give too much away, but it kind of seems like that's a little bit of a cover for something. But do you think, though, that Teddy has become numb due to, the line of, due to this line of work? Or do you think the work plays into who he really is, possibly deep down? <laughs> um, I think because... Uh, given the umbrella that he works under at the division, you know, having, having higher ups such as Abe and then the guy who runs it, um, Hank, uh, there's definitely a little bit of a, a brainwash factor there where it's, you know, you get it beaten to your head enough that the people you're going after have done wrong. Like, I mean, if you, if you actually truly support, you know, the flag, then you'll get this done. Cause if you don't, then, you know, to me, then you're kind of just a traitor as well. So basically I would say that they found him and saw an opportunity to take somebody that was, you know, a sharpened soldier and kind of turn him into something else. But, uh, 
I would I would say at least when I wrote him because Teddy is actually the name of my dog, um, <laughs> um, and he's also very you know old as well, and his body's wearing down, but uh, doesn't ref- doesn't let it stop him from what he you know he does daily. Um, but I would say that you know before then Teddy was probably a very soft soul, and then kind of found found his calling or his way at least uh, within the military, and then it's kind of unfortunate that this is how he came out on the other side of the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, I think with Teddy, what you see with Teddy is what you can see with a lot with a lot of people that do end up in the military or sometimes that where you kind of have to shut off a part of yourself yeah. in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, and I think that's probably what I mean, I'm not sure that's what you intended, but it sounds like it with what Teddy was going through. And that's what No, you're 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 one hundred percent spot on with that. It's it's kind of a mindset of like, you know, uh, uh shut this emotion off, do the work now, and I'm sure eventually we'll deal with it emotionally later. It's probably gonna be ugly, but we don't have time to think about it right now. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Abe, um, who you mentioned, Abe. Um, Abe does tend to have that same kind of thing too. Abe is kind of shut off too, but I think uh, since there's so much in the beginning that's told from Abe's point of view, yeah, it seems like he does actually really, he's kind of fighting against that part of the humanity that's still there. And yeah. it seems like with the alcohol, he's kind of drowning out any of that feeling. Was that the intention behind that too? Yeah. I mean, every, everyone, I think even, even outside of the military has their own vices with the way that they cope day to day. And I think also Abe, um, granted he's not the one actually pulling the trigger on anybody, but he is caught in the middle between the division director and then, you know, Teddy as well, the trigger man. So he's kind of getting both sides if there's any pushback. So I feel like he's under the most pressure and he just happens to be the one that, you know, uh, the way he copes and numbs with it, it happens to be through quite a bit of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's interesting because you, because uh, it goes back and forth in time with him too. And you see that in like, sort of like in the early two thousands, it didn't seem like he was drinking as much. Yeah. And then when it's in present day, he's definitely drinking a lot more. So yeah, yeah it just, it just becomes that, that thing. I mean, I've known people where like from the time they wake up, it, you know, it's instead of like a glass of orange juice, it's a glass of, you know, insert, you know, whatever you like to drink. So, um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think he ended up finding himself, uh, in his position, uh, a lot longer than he anticipated. And, uh, the way to keep, the way to keep at it is, uh, just always have a glass in your hand. <laughs> yeah. And especially when he's dealing with the fact that I, and I don't know if this, this is true, but it seems that Abe does have some kind of um, maybe big brother or fatherly instinct in a way when it comes to Teddy too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like he, I don't know, there's part of that, that he's worried about Teddy as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, he, like, I, I think if, you know, it mentions a few times, like he, he knows like how much physical pain Teddy's in day to day because, you know, he's just wearing down his body, but it's it it's a guy thing where it's you know you don't you don't want to get emotional with your buddy you know yeah. and it's like <laughs> i know you're hurting but we're not going to talk about this like you know you'll sit out when you have to but of course teddy will never sit himself out um but yeah i mean definitely the fatherly instinct 
that Abe has, you know, being the older brother of, of, uh, you know, the, the guy that, you know, we talked about in the earlier two thousands in that one chapter, mm-hmm. um, he can't be around his younger brother that much anymore. Who's off doing his own thing. So, um, you know, you, you spend enough time around anybody and you, you know, if they're younger, you kind of take them under their wing more or less. So it's just kind of a really odd circumstance <laughs> that they're both in. Yeah. It's, it's a heightened <laughs> circumstance than just a normal Absolutely. relationship like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, of course, in the beginning, uh, Abe is looking for a new partner for Teddy. And Teddy, in the beginning, talks about how basically he hasn't liked anybody he has been no. um, paired up with because he's always thought they just are kind of incompetent. They're not up to the standard. They can't last in this job mm-hmm. at all. And then Abe, you know, you see, there's a lot of chapters of him going around trying to find, trying to recruit somebody. Yeah. And that's when Avery comes in. And it's interesting to, I think, to throw a female in this dynamic because, um, you know, especially having a powerful female character and you go into some of her past with her father and mm-hmm. everything like that. So was that very intentional that you wanted it to have that dynamic of having a woman thrown in here? And, and what was the inspiration for that character? Well, I mean, what what's funny is uh, up until I think about two weeks before I locked everything, Avery was actually a man. Oh wow! And I had thought about it. I I uh, I don't know if we'll land on the same airstrip with this, but I'd as of lately. I mean, I miss when women in film and stories were written, like Ellen Ripley from Aliens or Sarah Connor from Terminator, yes. just like really badass, strong women. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't because they're like, hey, it's a strong woman. It's it's because of how strong the character is written and the qualities that they possess. And they're just dropped in the story and they do what they do. And that's why you like them. It's, it's never shoved in your face about what gender they are. And I really, I was like, I could change not a word of dialogue from Avery, make it a woman. And it would be, you'd never know. You'd never know. So... I didn't want to make her any more like girly or dainty. I was like, there's plenty of women that know how to survive in the wilderness. Like, Oh yeah. There's tough women out there. And um, for how much I, you know, complain about it, I was like, why don't I just take a crack at it? So um, Avery was completely written the same way that you read it. I just, I made it a woman and uh, I, you know, I, I couldn't sleep on it. So I changed it. It was a pain in the ass, but <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, I uh, there's actually since 2019, I think women about 50, 50, 50 women have made it actually through the Army Ranger, you know, training courses. So that that part wasn't embellished on at all. And uh, no, I just thought it would be interesting to to bring a woman into this predominantly male ran division, mm-hmm. especially when she has to meet the division head, who's very old school and probably never imagined a woman being under his roof. Um, but then she, you know, she kind of proves, you know, what she can do and, uh, you know, ends up mixing with Teddy pretty well, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think, uh, and I think for Teddy that took Teddy by surprise too, because Teddy is very, and Teddy's so guarded too. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting with that, I, I believe, and I could be mistaken on this, but I believe actually with, with Ripley in, in Alien, they actually wanted that to be a man. And then they're like, no, nope, this is definitely going to be a woman. So it's, in, so it's interesting to do that kind of 
that kind of yeah there. and i mean i mean and no matter i mean i don't know if anybody would deny it but i mean there's definitely you immediately look at a character differently if it's a woman versus man especially what kind of job it's set in you know I think if you're reading for a woman, you kind of lower your guard a little bit when you're reading for her. I don't know how to, if that makes any sort of sense, but (laughs) I think coming into like this very fast paced, dangerous job that she's going to be in to have it be a woman kind of, I think subverted expectations for maybe stuff that you had seen or read in the past. And you kind of curious to see how she's going to go about it and if she's going to survive it. Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 No, I think, to- and I think it took even Abe by surprise that that's who he decided. Mm-hmm. Although it seemed like it was kind of like this like light bulb moment for him with watching her. Yeah. I mean, he, he knew that like, cause Teddy's going to hold on to his position, you know, being the trigger man as long as his body will allow it. So uh, Abe knows there's no way he's going to he's going to find a replacement to do that. So it's the best thing he can do is find somebody to complement his skill set with something maybe he can't do as well anymore. So, um, yeah, it happened. It happened to be, uh, it happened to be her. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting too, because like I said, Hank, the division director's very old school where this would have been something that's never going to happen. And then Abe's a little bit younger. So he's in the middle of the transition where it's happening. And then Teddy's a little bit younger. So he's more used to seeing women more so in male roles. So it kind of trickles down. Interesting as she, you know, comes into contact with each of them. Yeah. And do you think that she, um, once she starts working with the division, do you think, there's a part of her that instantly kind of regrets the decision or regrets what has happened or the direction. I mean, I, I didn't, I, like I said, I definitely didn't want her to, I think do what a lot of people would initially expect. Maybe, maybe her to do is freak out and try to back out right away. So, I mean, I, I didn't, no matter even, you know, even as a guy, like it was originally written as a guy, there was going to be some pushback, you know, as anybody would, when you find out what you're, (laughs) what you're being brought in to do. But, um, I think really, you know, given her upbringing with how kind of cold shoulder and callous her, you know, her, her dad had brought her up. it, It really kind of, I think, you know, set, set the tone and prepared her a little bit for, you know, if she was going to stay in uniform. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Her upbringing is really, really interesting. And, and reading that, that chapter, I think is one of the most interesting when you keep going through the time periods with her dad and how that was raised. And, and I don't think she'd be doing what she was doing (laughs) without that. No, totally. You can, you can tell that her dad wanted if he had to have a kid, he wanted it to probably be a boy. Mm-hmm. So, but either way, you know, some sort of effort to spend time with your kid, you know, it just, you know, it's a very, uh, very odd way to spend time, but it definitely for- forged her into something uh, useful. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yep. Yep. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, what do you think? I, I know this is, you know, kind of hard sometimes to answer, but what do you think are the es- essential elements to writing a thriller? Well, I I would say uh, being able to know when to press on the gas pedal, you know, more metaphorically, of course, mm-hmm. um, and being able to have restraint and not, you know, keep things like uh, fast paced all the time, like uh, a feeling of a sense of dread, I think, is is important. And making sure that your your characters, I think, are strong enough and developed enough to really earn those moments when you want to hit the gas pedal, you know, harder mm-hmm. sometimes than others. Otherwise, if you don't care, then there's it. You could have the craziest of stakes, and nobody's going to care what happens to who they're reading about. So, um, just making sure that all the moments you push for are actually earned, I would say. And, uh, you know, a, a nice slow tension buildup. Uh, I love slow burners that with a nice payoff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think those are a lot better than just if you're constantly in action, moving, yeah. moving, moving, it can become exhausting. Oh, yeah. It's sensory overload. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so your characters are very strongly written. And I know you were kind of briefly mentioning that about how I think a character is very important. So do you when you were setting out to write this or when you're writing anything, do you first write the characters or the plot? Coming from since I this was my first novel that I wrote, um, it was actually it had been a screenplay. Uh, So, I mean, I everything for me is plot first. And then I kind of, as I'm writing the plot, I'm just kind of, uh, a lot of times when I'm brainstorming dialogue, a lot of it just kind of ends up developing itself. You know, certain people tend to come out of my head a little bit, you know, more, more this way or the other way. And then when you, you know, you come back through it for more drafts, you, you just tend to sharpen, you know, either their wit or lack thereof. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> But no, I, I'm a huge plot guy first. I think uh, I think a lot. I don't know if you can agree, but pretty much everything lately is either lacking plot because it's very heavy CGI in your face, you know, just a giant noise fest to kind of distract yeah. you from a lot of plot holes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's 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 true. I think you know there. You know, it's hard to find those really really deep movies that also can have a really engaging plot or those movies that really keep you because it it is I mean and there's there's nothing wrong with like CGI there's nothing wrong with all that stuff it's just sometimes if you don't have like a story a good story behind it or good characters yeah then there's nothing else there (laughs) no and I I don't need like not every movie has to be like an inception you know like that that insane plot where it's intertwined and everything but i mean like even just like a nice simple like i was watching something the other day it was just a bank robbery movie in texas and it had two main characters but i mean 
their banter was just so entertaining. You kind of forget that it was just a bank robbery movie. So yeah, was was that the was that the one that was with um, Chris Pine and that's Jeff the one. Bridges? Yeah, yes. That's oh, one. that's such a good movie. And I now, love that how, movie. How am I forgetting the name of that movie? Hi, <laughs> it's a uh, Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water. Yes, yeah. that movie is really yeah. good. Yes, I love that movie. And very well written and very yeah. well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well. Yeah. And it's so simple, but it's, you know, sometimes simple is, you know, the one that brings it home. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I agree completely. Well, you got your start working in the film industry um, as a screenwriter, producer, director. How did that experience help you with tackling writing this? And I know um, this started as a screenplay. But no, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, it's, uh, it, well, really what happened was, is, I mean, I, I've, I've made one movie. And that was, you know, the, the one that we, I had a lot of luck with in terms of getting it bought and sold to Netflix and Amazon and all that. Um, it's, uh, I enjoyed that process a lot. It definitely helped, you know, me have uh, to, to, to sharpen, you know, I guess sharpen between transitioning scenes on paper, because when you watch it on screen, you're like, well, that sounded so much better on paper. So why didn't that translate uh, visually? So, <laughs> but I mean, it, it definitely, you know, it takes a village to make a movie and uh, it's even harder to make a good movie. So, um, but uh being able to wear all those hats like screenwriter and producer and director. I mean, you just learn how to deal with a bunch of types of different personalities. Uh, you know, seven questions coming at you at once that need to be answered right now. And I'm a, I'm a very, I'm, I'm an introvert. So taking that seat was, uh, was, was a bit of a tough undertaking, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, I, I would absolutely do that again if, if the opportunity came to me. And, and like you said, it is, you know, it's very collaborative. There are tons of people working on making a film. But when you're writing a novel, and of course, screenwriting too, to an extent too, it's writing is a very solitary process. Yes. So, and I know you said you're an introvert. So I don't know, is was there something that was, that you preferred with writing or do you prefer that collaborative thing? The collaborative is fun because it forces me out of my comfort zone to to be in a bigger group of people and everything is very fast paced even though you know it takes your shoot day can be 12 hours it's still very much go 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 at all times so it's nice to take a break from being an introvert but you know <laughs> um really i mean i i uh i enjoyed you know uh, the solidarity of turning it into a novel because i could work at my own pace I think I would consider myself, especially by other authors' standards, a very slow writer. <laughs> I'll, I can only write for about an hour and a half to two hours a day. Um, but I, I prefer to I, – I don't like doing like you know 11 drafts. I'd rather take my time and try to get it right the first one or two times. But no, I, I, I think I really enjoy – you know, the solidarity of novels, uh, more so than the collaborative of filmmaking. It's just, it's nice waking up early and then I can do it at my own pace. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's, I mean, unless it turns into a film, it is the finished product. So it's not like you're starting with just the quote unquote blueprint and then moving on. It's the actual finished product. So Yeah. 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 Well, what's nice too, is that because I have all these screenplays, I mean, I essentially have uh, you know, very well written outlines, I guess, for the book. You know, I've I've got all the story beats ready and the dialogue ready. 
the the difficult part you know is is changing formats i don't know if you've ever looked at a screenplay format before or not i've written screenplays so yes okay, they're so very then you, different yeah, yeah. <laughs> very straightforward this happens and then this happens mm-hmm. god yeah so it was quite a learning curve going the opposite direction <laughs> Yeah, it's very different because I've also written like short stories and done like that kind of writing too. And I've also written poetry. So it's all like different kind of, yeah, that's a very different kind of form. Yeah, yeah, you can keep, you can keep that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, screenwriting compared to a novel is very, a very different animal altogether. So yeah, yeah, no question. It's not just you, you know, like I said, you are doing the finished product there no matter mm-hmm. what. So, yeah. Um, and so this surfacing is very cinematic. It's written very much like that. Like I could picture everything yeah. very clearly. And since it was originally a screenplay too, do you have any desire then to adapt it or if somebody else wanted to adapt it or anything like that? Oh, ab- absolutely. I'm, I mean, you know, it was even, it was a little bit of a bummer. Like, I felt like I was backtracking by making it a book instead. And, you know, I'm, I'm uh, envisioning everything as I'm writing it again for like the second or third time. I mean, like I said, it, I, you read it. So, I mean, you, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it would take a lot of zeros on a check to make that, you know, accurate. Yeah. Um, you can't, there's no cutting corners in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if for some reason somebody in the future like was like, Hey, uh, let's uh, you know let's let's adapt this and make out like yeah I'm, I'm on board so because i i already understand everybody on paper so well so yeah no question 100 yeah. percent would do it yeah and i mean this the novel kind of ends in a way where i could even see there being like a, a sequel to this mm-hmm. are, are there any plans for that like i mean that you could say or anything yeah no i mean there there is and i i had uh i had I mean, I know it seems more open-ended for for Avery, um, but I think what I'd like because we were talking about, you know, how how shut off uh, Teddy is, um, I'd like to do uh, another one, which which is already it had been in screenplay format, but it was as something else. Doing one about him, like life out after the division, um, even you know, I'd have to figure out how I got him out, of course, without. <laughs> without the threat of death of course and uh kind of him like having like you know the aftermath dealing with coming to terms with everything that he did um mm-hmm. because i i guess i find myself caring about that character more than any of them but uh i mean i i would absolutely find a way to intertwine you know abe or avery for a little bit but um no i i, uh, I have a plan to do at least one follow-up um for surfacing Oh, yeah. Awesome. Because, yeah, I, I had a feeling just reading it. I was like, oh, I wonder if this is something that will become like a series of books or, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I tip my hat off to anybody who can turn like one idea into like several books because to me it seems impossible. But again, because because I'm pretty fresh to turning things into into books. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, when you see people who have like book eight of nine, I'm like, how, how, what is it? What happens? <laughs> That's true. Some people, you know, and some people turn out novels in like, you know, two days or something like that. I know. I'm like, after an hour and a half, I want to blow my head off. I'm like, oh, 
it's taking forever. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody kind of approaches it differently. Everybody writes differently and and has a different process, you know, and whatever can make you because because writing can also be not only lonely, but it can be a very like emotionally draining process as well. So oh, like, totally. like you're saying, yeah, yeah. Cause yeah. you're, yeah. And so I'm, I'm curious then, are there parts of you then in these characters since, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think I'd, I'd have a hard time believing if, if anybody said that there wasn't a little bit of themselves in at least one of their characters. Um, I mean, t Teddy, other than it being, you know, <laughs> uh, my dog related to my dog. Um, I would say, you know, my, just my respect for anybody who does anything that they don't want to do just to serve their country, you know, uh, whether it could be viewed as, you know, good or bad, that I think it all serves a purpose. And then just, uh, I think Abe, um, I mean, I've, I've never been a heavy drinker, so I can't say that that, <laughs> that that's me. No, Abe, um, Abe, I actually, um, because, uh, his younger brother, that he meets up with in that one of those chapters is actually a character that's on screen in the movie I did about the, about the border crisis. So that was just kind of like a fun callback for me and anybody that had seen it. And then I guess Avery, I mean, I think I would have to say her a little bit because of just the relationship that I have with my dad. You know, it's not, it's not horrible by any means. I'm not the first person to have like dad issues or whatever. Um, but, you know, there's a father figure uh, there, maybe not as much as you want, but yeah. also at the same time, you have to think like, would I have turned out or would she have turned out, you know, worse if dad had been there more so, you know? So I think maybe the absence of one parent kind of, you know, prepares you for the harshness of the world a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, anyway, that's my sob story. <laughs> <laughs> No, but yeah. I, I, I do agree that sometimes it can, that the absence of a parent, even if the parent is there and they, they can still be absent. So, Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's, there's probably, there's a dash of me probably in, in a little of the, you know, few of the characters, even if I can't recognize it. <laughs> and I think that just happens automatically, even if you're not planning on it. <laughs> like you said, oh, I, I can't imagine kidding. how tough it would be to like try and write somebody that was not any of you. I don't I think by default, there's a little bit there. So yeah, I don't think it would be as good, honestly, because I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you already did mention a little bit of of some plans that you have for mm -hmm. upcoming projects. But are there any other things that you're working on right now that you can talk about? Or um, I am you probably I'm real close to finishing putting my one of my other screenplays into into novel format. It's a little bit of a departure from this one. Um, it's more along the lines of, I would say, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's, it's, you know, everybody loves serial mystery thrillers. Yeah. Um, so it's along the lines of that, but it's, uh, again, it's three characters. Two of them are detectives and one of them, the main point that you go from is a guy that is basically becoming a serial killer. Oh, okay. so it doesn't dump you in the middle of his like, you know, he's been doing it for a while. So I kind of wanted to do and I, I just love deep character studies. Um, so, I'm, you know, the arc is him going from, you know, not that to kind of falling into it 
just kind of based on his personality a little bit. So, but I think it all takes place the time period I want to do. I want to, I want it to take place like within two weeks. So it's, it's, you know, yeah, my, my, my goal with it is to be that somebody that makes these people disappear so quickly. Like if you keep turning over cases, it makes it harder for the cops to catch you because they have to deal with a new one and a new one and a new one so rapidly. Hmm. So that's my thought process. If he can do it so quickly, could he get away with it? You know what I mean? So, yeah. but we'll see if it works out. <laughs> huh? No. Awesome. I, I, I love serial killer stories and movies. Oh, and stuff, yeah. So yeah. That's, you and me both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting. Yeah. I've, I've used to have, when I was, younger i'd be be like why are you so interested in this stuff i'm like no it's not like a weird thing it's just i just find it fascinating yeah you know to see those those character studies um and it's character studies are always interesting i think oh totally yeah absolutely well wonderful well i look forward to that and other projects from you so thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and speak with us today and um it was a pleasure reading your novel as well so thank you and good luck with it too. Um, I think it's it's really well. I mean, for this being your first, of course, you have experience writing, but with this being your first novel, it's. I mean, even if it wasn't your first novel, it's pretty well. It's really well written. Like I said, I can visualize everything. Oh, so. Thank you. Yeah, with the with the exception of a few probably spelling errors and grammatical stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you get, well, that happens. <laughs> you get hypnosis looking at it, and you're like, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thank you again. And if you just want to tell um, all of our listeners where they can find you and follow you. And- um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, I'm pretty, you know, even though I'm only 33, I'm not young, but I'm not old. Um, I am, I am pretty old school in terms of like, I don't use any social media. Um, I do have a newsletter. Um, but I mean, if you want to get on that, you could just email me at no rescues at gmail.com. And then uh, I have a, just an author profile on, you know, the Amazon um, that kind of gives dates for my upcoming projects. But I've never been like a Facebook or an Instagram type person. It's just I, I'm terrible at promoting myself. I'd rather just put the work out there and let it speak for itself and gain its own momentum. No, I can, I can understand that. Some of, I mean, I'm on social media all the time, but that's, it, yeah, it totally makes sense yeah. for what you're doing. Yes. yes. <laughs> but, but I understand wanting to avoid it. <laughs> Believe oh, me, there God, are times yeah. when I do not want to be on there, but yeah, <laughs> yeah I to- totally get it. Well, and I'll put a, I'll put a link in the show notes as well to your um, Amazon page as well. Okay. So people thank can you. find that quickly. You're welcome. Great. Well, thank you again so much. Thank you. No, thank you. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you would like to be a potential interview guest, feel free to reach out to us via our website. It's a fandom thing pod.com. Hit the contact us button there. You can also email us directly um, at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. So until next time, remember it's a fandom thing. Black lives matter and stop Asian hate. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.